You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. and welcome to The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and we're so glad to greet everyone who's listening on 670, uh, pardon me, WNDZ 750 AM, and all who are watching our live stream on YouTube and Facebook at Catholic Chicago. As one of the largest human services organizations in the Midwest, Catholic Charities Immigration Services supports hundreds of immigrants and refugees every year in Cook and Lake Counties. Some of the services that we provide include food, shelter, counseling, medical assistance, medical screenings, uh, legal assistance, uh, and family support. Our goal is to assist immigrants and refugees with holistic wraparound services that accompany them on their journey to becoming as self-sufficient as possible. Throughout 2021, the welfare and safety of immigrants has been an urgent international concern. From our southern border to the dangerous situation in Afghanistan, Catholic Charities is working with partners around the globe to offer humanitarian aid to thousands of people in need. Nancy Gavilanis is Catholic Charities Director of Immigration and Naturalization Services here in Chicago, and she joins us today to provide an update on all of the good ways that her department is helping immigrants right here in our city. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you for inviting me. So delighted that you're with us today. Can you share with us a little bit about the history of your department, Nancy? Of course. Um, our department was established in 1972 to provide low-cost quality immigration legal services in an efficient, professional, and caring manner to low-income immigrants and their families. Uh, we guide them through the immigration process. It's very complex, right? And help them understand their rights and avoid unscrupulous practitioners. Uh, sometimes our immigrants are taking advantage um, and they pay large amount of money and they do not get the benefit that they are looking for. The focus of our program is family reunification. We help US citizens and lawful permanent residents reunite with their family members. Um, the family members could be residing here or could be residing abroad. Our immigration program became recognized by the Department of Justice in 1979. Our specialists are accredited also by the Department of Justice. Uh, I'm going to explain what recognition and accreditation means. means. It's a certification granted by the Department of Justice to nonprofit organizations and non-attorney staff to practice immigration law. In order 
still get accreditation and recognition, we must um, complete uh, or fulfill all the requirements um, uh, required by uh, the Department of Justice. So what is that we require? To demonstrate a history of substantive immigration law uh, trainings and knowledge and a significant experience handling legal cases. So we need to be um, on top of the changes of the immigration law matters uh, and also for effective counseling, specialists must additionally have knowledge in criminal and civil law matters that are applicable to the representation of the immigration, the immigrants and refugees. Um, we provide legal counsel to non-clients and, and clients via in office and over the phone consultations. File for legal immigration benefits with the federal government, write legal arguments advocating for applicants' rights and their detailed interpretation of the law. And physically, we represent clients in our district office here in Chicago. And Nancy, I know Catholic Charities has been so fortunate to have you serving in your role for a number of years. How many years is it since you've uh, started working oh. in the Immigration and Naturalization <laughs> Services? Almost 35 years. Oh, my goodness. Um, I started. Um, a few more months, a couple of more months, and I will be 30 years um, of servicing Catholic Charities in this program. I started as an immigration uh, specialist. Believe me, it has been gratifying. I, I have helped thousands of people um, achieve the legal status here in Chicago, in the United States. Um, I, as I mentioned previously, our goal is family reunification. So we strengthen families through our family reunification program. I feel that through our services, we empower our clients and provide a sense of security and well-being uh, by helping them to become uh, established here and obtain their legal status. And how many immigration specialists do you supervise now? And where are they located around Cook and Lake counties? I supervise six specialists, as I said before, DOJ accredited or Department of J accredited. And four of them work from, from this office in Chicago. Um, one, so five days a week. Um, one specialist, uh, specialist work three days a week from our regional office in Cicero. Uh, and two days from the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe located in the Plains. The other specialist works four days a week from our Catholic Charities office in Waukegan and one day a week from the community center in Waukegan as well, uh, which is part of Catholic Charities, but located in a different um, uh, building. And so besides emergency assistance, what are some of the other services that you and your department uh, provide, uh, legal documentation and, you know, so many other things? Can you share with us some of the, the details of, of the type of services and documentation that you assist with? We provide legal consultations. We assess clients for any benefits that they might um, be seeking, or sometimes they come to to request a benefit um, and they do not qualify for that and they, they might qualify for something else. Um, so we do family-based applications. Um, uh, as a process completed either here in the States or the council is abroad. The Fair Action for Childhood Arrivals or known as DACA for individuals who came to the United States while under the age of 16, I think probably many people are um, aware of DACA and what is going on with DACA. So it's a discretionary relief that allows uh, individuals to receive temporary protection from deportation, employment authorization for two years, and also um, with the possibility of extension. Um, we help applicants for um, uh, domestic violence um, applications or, or VAWA, Violence Against Women and uh, Women Act, and U visas for individual victims or crimes. Uh, we also help with temporary protected status as a temporary benefit that is given to individuals who cannot return to their country of origin due to extreme circumstances. Could be war, could be earthquakes, um, environmental disaster, or other extraordinary and temporary conditions. Um, we help with naturalization and citizenship, green card renewals and replacements, 
uh, community outreach and education on different immigration issues, as well as on immigrants' rights and um, what benefits they might be entitled to. What a wide range of important services you provide, Nancy. Um, we're going to take a quick break here on The Voice of Charity, and when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Nancy Gavilanes, who's Catholic Charities Director of Immigration and Naturalization Services. Please stay tuned. Catholic Charities Veterans Employment Services help veterans find and maintain employment through job readiness training, resume writing assistance, mock interviews, and job placement counseling. We work with a wide array of employers and community partners to help veterans reach their career goals. We owe a debt of gratitude to all of our veterans for the sacrifices they made to serve our nation. It is our privilege now to assist them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Employment Program in Cook County, call 773-808-2954. In Lake County, call 847-782-4219. You can also learn more at catholiccharities.net. To all United States veterans, thank you for your service. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. Do you have an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Welcome back to The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and it's my great pleasure today to be with Nancy Gavilanes, who is Catholic Charities Director of Immigration and Naturalization Services. Um, Nancy, you had mentioned uh, green cards and, and helping people apply for U.S. citizenship. Can you share a little bit with our audience about why people do pursue a green card instead of uh, starting the process of becoming a U.S. citizen? What's the process? How long does it take? Um, and what does a green card allow? In a green card is the first step prior to applying for U.S. citizenship. A green card gives its holder the legal right to live and work in the United States on a permanent basis, as well as the possibility to petition a spouse and unmarried children under the family-based visas to become a lawful permanent resident, you need a petitioner. U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents can petition for some family members. Depending on the family relationship, these relatives are given different levels of priority. 
the highest priority goes to the spouse, children under 21, and parents of US citizens. Um, this priority is known as immediate relatives, but that does, there are no cap on this um, uh, kind of visas. But that doesn't mean that um, they will be here immediately. Um, they have to wait. Um, the number of, of, of visas allocated for the other groups are limited, and it depends on the country of origin. Mexico, China, China and India are the most, um, the most immigrants that come based on family-based visas. So the, length is, uh, the process is very lengthy. Um, so the, the, num the number of years could be arranged between, actually currently is between two years and 23 years. Oh, wow. um, usually um, people, most, most of our clients uh, have family members outside and they have to wait uh, in their country of origin. And so, what would what would what what are the factors that um, create that cre large uh, increased variation there between two years and twenty three years? Well, what would be the reason someone would get uh, a green card in two years versus that long T plus twenty years is really a remarkable number. A family members, spouses, children under twenty one, and parents are given a priority, immediate priority. So th those people are becoming a lawful permanent residence within two years now. As siblings of US citizens, they are the ones who have to wait 30, 20, 23, I'm sorry, 23 years. Okay. While that, they're, they're process, yes, while they are processing their uh, green card. That makes sense. And so um, for those applying for US citizenship, can you share a little bit about the differences between applying for a green card versus you know, applying for the, the longer US citizenship uh, uh, degree or you know, credential? So, so, let me, so let me explain what's the difference. The difference, the green card is, is the step prior to become a citizen. You cannot apply for citizenship unless you are a, a, a lawful permanent resident, unless you have a green card. Understood. So in order to apply for citizenship, you need to comply with certain requirements. And one of the requirements is um, being a lawful permanent resident and be at least 18 years old, have a green card for five years or three if you are married to a U.S. citizen, can write, read and speak basic English. Um, during the last five years, you cannot um, be outside of the country for more than a year for six months, but now longer than a year. Um, have knowledge of the constitution as well as the form and principles of the US government. If you meet all these requirements, you have to complete an immigration form or a federal form N-400, pay $725 fee. And if uh, immigration, when, um, when, if they are okay with all the application and, the, and what you, um, wrote in this application, then they will uh, um, ask you to attend a biometric appointment. After the biometric appointment, an interview will be set up for you. And uh, this interview is where you, they test you on your knowledge of the constitution, the civics, the, the knowledge, the basic knowledge of English. There are exemptions, certain exemptions to this rule of passing the, the test in, uh, in English. You can pass if you are exempt in, in your own language, but you have to. Um, so what would test. be the average amount of time for those with a green card who apply for U.S. citizenship? Is it Five years. Five years, okay. Five years, is that's the basic I'm just imagining how tremendous that is once that U.S. on that day that that U.S. citizenship is achieved, you know, because it is a very complicated, long process. Right, right. I mean, if, if sometimes we go with them, um, we represent them. They need uh, moral support, and we go with them. So, and it's, yeah, it's unbelievable the feeling that they have knowingly that they are U.S. citizens, that they cannot be deported, that they, they can apply for um, jobs, the federal government jobs, and other, they can vote, so their voice can be heard through vote. Um, it's amazing. 
And so those in the process of getting the green card, um, w- during that process, you recommend that um, immigrants apply for a TIN number, uh, which is easier to get and allows them some stability as they're establishing their lives in the United States. Can you share a little about a bit about a TIN number and what that does allow? Yes, sure. Uh, it is an individual taxpayer and identification number. Um, it is a tax processing number as uh, um, issued by the IRS uh, office to individuals uh, who are not eligible to get a social security number or people who um, are undocumented. We recommend our clients who are in the process of obtaining the green card to apply for a 19 number to be able to file their income tax while they are waiting to become lawful permanent residents. Uh, doing this, um, we explain to the client that they are proving uh, good moral character and their intentions to continue obeying the laws of the United States, both federal and state uh, laws. That's a very important uh, intermediary level of feeling like you belong, and, and you're, you're so wise to help them and advise them to get the TIN number um, as part of the process. Yes, uh, yes. Um, that is the one way to show um, the government that they're, they belong here, um, that they obey the law, and they are ready to be lawful permanent residents. And then they feel like they belong once they feel like they're yes. uh, uh, part of the system or part of the process, right? Yes, correct. So we're going to yes. take another quick break here on The Voice of Charity. And when we return, we're going to continue our discussion with Nancy Gavilanis. Please stay tuned. In recent weeks, many people have reached out to Catholic Charities to ask what we are doing to help our Afghan brothers and sisters. They also ask how they can join us in our work. Current estimates suggest that 50,000 refugees are headed to our shores in the coming weeks. Based on a decade of experience in refugee resettlement, we predict that it will cost $50,000 to resettle a family of four for six months. This includes housing, food, clothing, and other urgent needs as they establish new lives in Chicago. As Jesus tells us, whatsoever you do for the least of my people, that you do unto me. Please assist us as we welcome the first 10 families. Visit catholiccharities.net to donate to our special refugee resettlement appeal or call 312-948-6087. special. (laughs) I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. a gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook Counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. 
Welcome back to The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and I'm so delighted to be here today with Nancy Gavilanes, who is Catholic Charities Director of Immigration and Naturalization Services. Nancy, could you share with our audience a few stories of uh, immigrants and refugees who have worked with your team and seen their lives improve because of it? Yes, of course. Um, I have two in mind. Um, one, um, a few years ago, a resident from the house of the Good Shepherd was referred to us. She was 20 years old with three children. She did not speak English. Uh, she was abused by her domestic partner. After careful legal screening of her case, we determined that she qualified for the U visa application. We guided her during the process and after three years, she was granted U visa. In the meantime, she had employment authorization. She found a full-time job. She was able to save money, learn basic English, and gain emotional stability while she was um, at the house of the Good Shepherd. Um, the, she transitioned to her own apartment through the transitional housing, uh, Catholic Charities Transitional Housing. And um, we helped her with the uh, lawful permanent resident application after the after the U visa, uh, which takes more or less three, three years. She went to a beauty school uh, where she graduated successfully. Her goal is to become a citizen and she is planning to come to us to uh, complete the paperwork. Now, um, she's also in the process of um, opening up her own business a beauty salon. No doubt that she will accomplish that. Um, that is a wonderful story. And, and another story, I'm yeah, sorry. Please go ahead. Another story that we have is this client. Um, this is recently, they just happened. Um, it is a client who is at the fair action for childhood arrivals. Uh, she was a holder of the DACA uh, status. And she married a U.S. citizen, um, but not because she's married to a U.S. citizen, she can apply for her uh, visa immediately or apply and get her uh, lawful permanent resident status here in the States. Um, the client came undocumented when she was seven years old. Currently, she is around 20, probably 27, 29. Um, so now that she's married to a U.S. citizen, um, in 2018, she applied for her green card. Uh, her final interview came around March 2020. And because of the pandemic, um, they, uh, Ciudad Juarez in Mexico, she's from Mexico, uh, canceled that, um, that um, application or that interview. So we waited for one year and we didn't get anything from this from Ciudad Juarez uh, so we reach out to them and uh, we discover that uh, they closed the case uh, because um, she didn't contact them on time so we advocated for her and uh, with the Department of State uh, we wrote a brief we wrote statements uh, we gather a lot of documentation to prove that um, to not because it was not her fault that the Ciudad Juarez U.S. Consulate in Ciudad Juarez canceled her final interview and was closing her case. And another issue that she had is that she had 178 days of unlawful presence. The law said that if you accrue 180, so two days shy from um, being um, from her unlawful presence to be barred for three years outside of the country. So we advocated for her um, a lot. And um, she just went to Ciudad Juarez. They opened up her case uh, back. And 
um, she went to see the Juarez in August and she was granted local permanent residence. What a difference um, you made in her life, Nancy. Um, before we run out of time, can you please share with our audience uh, a phone number or an email address for uh, anyone in the audience listening to contact you if they can, uh, if they need assistance as well? So any anyone, clients or not clients, they need to call 312-427-7078. Um, the receptionist will get all the information, uh, contact information from them. A specialist will call a client or non-client uh, back within 48 hours. And um, we do not have any mail address dedicated for immigration matters, but each specialist will provide their work email as needed. They can call anytime. You do uh, such great to. work, Nancy, and making such a Thank phenomenal you. difference in people's lives. Thank you so much for being on the show today to share all the great things happening in the Naturalization Immigration Department. My pleasure, and I appreciate this invitation. Thank you so much. And we invite everyone back again next week for another edition of The Voice of Charity. For now, this is Katie Breedeman, and on behalf of everyone at Catholic Charities, we wish you a great week. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Catholic Charities has continued to respond to the needs of people who come to us for assistance. More than 850,000 meals and food parcels have been offered to those who are struggling with food insecurity. Over 108,000 homelessness prevention hotline calls have been answered. Over 22,000 people have received mental health services and $2 million in financial assistance has been provided to keep people housed. If you or someone you know needs assistance, email us at gethelp at catholiccharities.net. That's gethelp at catholiccharities.net. Or call 312-655-7700. That's 312-655-7700. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. The Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome to the Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and we extend a warm hello to everyone who is listening on WNDZ, 750 AM here in Chicago, and all who are watching our live stream on YouTube and Facebook at Catholic Chicago. Caring adults make all the difference in the lives of adolescents. Catholic Charities understands this, and our youth mentoring programs offer youth in Cook and Lake County the free opportunity to spend time with trained, supervised adult volunteers who genuinely care about them. The goal is to connect youth with great role models, and we are fortunate today to have with us staff members who do a phenomenal job of making those connections happen. Sarah Loffman is Special Projects Manager with Catholic Charities Child, Youth, and Family Services Department. Aranda Gardner is coordinator of our Lake County Youth Mentorship Program, and Gloria Uriostegui is coordinator of our Cook County Mentor Program, also called Solidifying Our Legacy, and this supports youth in Chicago's back-of-the-yard neighborhood. Welcome Sarah, Gloria, and Aranda. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having us. I guess we're still waiting for uh, Aranda to, to log in, yeah, so we'll look forward to that in a minute. 
Um, Sarah, can you start us out and tell us about our two mentoring programs? What are the goals and what are some of the short and long-term objectives of these programs? Yeah, so um, really mentoring is about building relationships. Uh, and that's what we do in, in both of our programs, right? Is um, we have these well-trained adults who connect with uh, youth and um, they're there to be a friend, a role model, and a source of support. And so our programs look a little bit different. Um, the, the program in Lake County is a one-on-one -on -one community-based uh, program, which means that for that, we recruit volunteers who work uh, directly with just one youth for a full calendar year. Um, and they can, you know, take them out into the community, go places, do things, um, and, and build their relationship that way. Uh, the program that Gloria is involved in is based in schools. And so that's a group model. Um, and there are uh, mentors are either staff or interns who are part of Loyola's uh, master's in social work program. Um, and so with that, they, they work with youth in a group and they do different group activities and they really build on not only building that relationship between uh, the mentors and the youth, but among peers, right? Because this is all about helping youth develop great social skills, great relationships, healthy communication styles, and really feel like they have um, a whole network of people who support them and believe in them and uh, want to see them reach their full potential. And are there ideal ages, Sarah, where, where adolescents can benefit from these youth mentoring programs? Yeah, and so our, our programs, again, are a little bit um, different in that the Lake County program, we primarily focus on youth who are ages 9 to 12. So um, that's a really great age for wanting to, you know, connect with a mentor and do things one-on-one -on -one and um, go and do activities like, you know, um, taking hikes or playing mini golf or, you know, going um, to a farmer's market, things like that. Um, and then the youth that uh, GLOW is working with, those are um, our middle school age youth. So they're more like 12 to 15. Um, and, uh, but with both, with both of those programs, they are going through a transition, right? Either that transition from elementary school to middle school or from middle school to high school. And so how are, um, how do we promote the programs? Is it in schools or do we get referrals? Or can the general public, anyone listening today um, who has an adolescent who might benefit from these programs, how do we promote them and how can people participate and sign up? Yes, all of the above. Um, especially with the, the Lake County program, we work really closely with uh, school social workers there. And so they might make a referral to us, right? A, a youth who they see is struggling. Often we have... Um, youth who are, you know, either really struggling to uh, build friendships um, with their peers, or maybe they're they're suffering from some sort of grief or loss. Maybe they have an incarcerated parent. Maybe they have a parent who um, passed away or is not living with them because they have been deported or a variety of other reasons. Um, and we can also have parents who refer them. And that's really happened a lot during the pandemic, right, where they're like, my child is socially... Um, isolated, you know, they're just kind of playing video games. I, they seem really stressed out and anxious. And, you know, I, I can't always be there with them because I'm working or whatever. And so they've wanted a mentor because of that. Um, and so, so parents can refer themselves. We get referrals from other partner agencies and we get a lot of referrals from schools. And for GLOW's program, we work with specific schools, but within those schools, anyone who's in that age group can participate in the group. So again, we work closely with the school to really identify youth who need to be in this program, right? Who they have identified as struggling or needing to make peer relationships, but um, in an effort to, to not make it sort of a stigmatized group, like something that you have to go to because you're not doing so great, we've really opened it up to everyone. And in a community like Back of the Yards, where like they do struggle with a lot of community violence, parents are working really hard, um, one, to keep a roof over their family's head, but also to keep their kids safe. Um, it's not easy for them to engage in a lot of different after-school activities, right? And especially during the pandemic, you know, you have, we have, heard many stories of, uh, you know, families with 
three to five kids who were all in the same um, you know, small house trying to do remote learning. And, you know, it was kids who were basically in bed most of the day because that was the quiet space they had for school. Um, so there are a lot of youth who are very excited about participating in this program this year because they have just, they've almost kind of lost that skill of how to socialize. And and Glow has definitely seen that in, in these groups is now that they're back in person, they're kind of like, hmm, <laughs> I don't remember exactly how to just engage with other people in real life. So um, so it's 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 a huge need right now. And we're we're doing our best to um, provide the service for everyone who we can. And for anyone yeah, in the like general audience listening or viewing, um, Sarah, can you give that phone number for anybody to call if they're interested in, in uh, pursuing or learning more about the youth mentoring programs? Yeah, actually, Aranda, do you want to give the, the main um, number for referrals? I think you are muted. Well, actually, Glow, why, do you want to um, add something? Yeah, I just wanted to add that, um, you know, we uh, in the past we've promoted, you know, through schools and, and info sessions. But I, I think that a lot of it um, this year is coming from word of mouth from the youth themselves. So that's something that I just, uh, you know, observed this year. And I really appreciate because, um, you know, that just means that our program is doing something for, for, for these kids. And so, um, you know, wanting to spread that to the rest of the community is just something that we're really proud of, of them for. Uh, Gloria, can I ask yeah. you a little bit about um, how the program has evolved during the pandemic? I assume that a number yeah. uh, for a number of months, uh, all of the gatherings between adults and the uh, adolescents had to be virtual. Are you able to, to you know, expand a little bit back to normal in these last couple of months? How does that look right now, Gloria? Yeah, so um, just a little back info of, of our program. It's, it's funded by DFSS, so the Department of Family Support Services. And so initially it started off for boys only, but um, like Sarah said, we expanded it um, over the years to include everyone. And so we serve students from five different um, middle schools in back of the yard, Seward, Lara, Chavez, Hamline, Hedges. And we also have an alumni group um, that is comprised of, of students who used to go to those middle schools who um, would like to stay uh, connected to, to us. And so um, through that program, we provide weekly school-based um, mentoring groups. And we also provide a day in the week for enrichment activities that we like to call Fridays. And so you're right. Um, so we, we did go virtual in the past year, and that was a little tough in the beginning. We weren't really sure how to navigate that. Um, but luckily, with the help of uh, DFSS and, and, uh, C, um, and the school district, we were able to obtain CPS emails and that and stay connected in that way. So all last year we were connected uh, through Google Meets um, and and really doing the, the bulk of our programming that way um, until this summer when we were approved uh, by the agency to run in person groups. And so um, that was the great that was a great period where we were trying to get our feet wet again into the in person um, you know, group. And so, um, you know, we started off the year really strong with a lot of uh, interest this year. And so um, we're really excited to get started. And we have, we, we are a week into our in-person groups in school and we've had a blast so far. And the, and the youth mentoring program in the back of the yards neighborhood has a wonderful acronym that uh, is attached to it, solidifying our legacy. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that, Gloria? Yes, so um, I wanted uh, with along with the youth because they they helped uh, come up with this new name. Um, uh, before Sol, it was YMP, which is Youth Mentorship Program, which was a little bland for us. <laughs> and so we wanted to go with uh, we wanted to create a program name that would um, essentially uh, welcome everyone, right? In terms of you know parents being able to pronounce it. Uh, who are predominantly Spanish-speaking and, and English speakers. So we we landed on Sol. And so from there, we kind of just started talking about, you know, what what Sol means to us and what we want it to mean to us. And, and um, we came up with solidifying our legacy, um, which essentially is, you know, the perfect representation of what we want to get out of group. You know, we want to, you know, build our, our foundation from the bottom up 
to be able to contribute to our community and to, to contribute to the city and and um, you know solidify our legacy in that way and and not necessarily going you know full um, full t full head on towards you know wanting to change something but even the smallest change within yourself can can go a long way and so that I think that's a lot of the reasoning behind um, our program name you know solidifying our legacy is just that we want to make sure that we you know create change in our lives and you know it'll be great if that goes into you know that affects the community but you know it all starts with the self and wanting to change there it sounds like a tremendous confidence builder not only for the young adults but also for the program uh and where you've come and where you're headed to in the future it's wonderful gloria mm -hmm. and we're going to take a quick break here on the voice of charity and when we return we're going to continue our discussion about youth mentoring programs in cook and lake county please stay tuned Catholic Charities Veterans Employment Services help veterans find and maintain employment through job readiness training, resume writing assistance, mock interviews, and job placement counseling. We work with a wide array of employers and community partners to help veterans reach their career goals. We owe a debt of gratitude to all of our veterans for the sacrifices they made to serve our nation. It is our privilege now to assist them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Employment Program in Cook County, call 773-808-2954. In Lake County, call 847-782-4219. You can also learn more at catholiccharities.net. To all United States veterans, thank you for your service. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. Qué bueno estar juntos otra vez. Después de tantos meses separados, se han levantado los límites de capacidad por la pandemia y queremos darles la bienvenida a todos de vuelta a la iglesia. Podemos rezar juntos otra vez y escuchar cuando nuestros coros eleven sus voces en canción. Hemos estado juntos en espíritu y ahora, cuando estén listos, nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. We're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. In recent weeks, many people have reached out to Catholic Charities to ask what we are doing to help our Afghan brothers and sisters. They also ask how they can join us in our work. Current estimates suggest that 50,000 refugees are headed to our shores in the coming weeks. Based on a decade of experience in refugee resettlement, we predict that it will cost $50,000 to resettle a family of four for six months. This includes housing, food, clothing, and other urgent needs as they establish new lives in Chicago. As Jesus tells us, whatsoever you do for the least of my people, that you do unto me. Please assist us as we welcome the first 10 families. Visit catholiccharities.net to donate to our special refugee resettlement appeal or call 312-948-6087.
Welcome back to The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and I have the great pleasure today of being with Sarah Lofman, Aranda Gardner, and Gloria Uriastegi, who are with our Catholic Charities Youth Mentoring Programs. And Aranda, earlier in the show, um, Sarah mentioned that in Lake County, you deal with um, a lot of the school districts, um, as well as individuals who are just referred to the program. Can you tell us a little bit more detail about how that works? Yeah, most certainly. So um, Sarah probably already mentioned by now that a lot of our youth that are involved in the program come from referrals from the community and the schools that are in Lake County. And so um, we started out before the pandemic getting uh, referrals from social workers in the Waukegan area mostly. Um, but since then, we've been able to expand our program throughout all of Lake County, including um, the new Round Lake uh, building as well. And so We've reached out to other community uh, resources like the school, the, the libraries in the community to see if, you know, they would have programs to get referrals from and things of that nature. Um, and then as well as for the volunteers too, we reach out to a lot of organizations in that um, regard as well. So, uh, yeah. That, that, that so <laughs> we, these young adults are so busy today. Can you share with us what the normal time commitment is uh, for the adult volunteers as well as the, the adolescents who participate in these programs? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so considering everybody has been virtual and even with them coming out of virtual schooling, we had to decrease our requirements a little bit <laughs> just to accommodate that. So we do at least one to two hours per week. Um, whether, and that can be virtual that can be an accumulation of like if you're playing video games together um, texting each other calling each other or if you meet in person um, because right now we're able to do that as well so that's so great um, and can you tell us a little bit about how the adult volunteers are trained and supervised yeah most definitely um, so we do uh, background checks and trainings uh, to prepare them uh, first, they obviously go through the application process and then the background checks that they must be approved for. We have a new mentorship training that we brief them on our program and just um, the requirements um, as far as being committed to the program and what to expect um, so that they know firsthand going in um, before being matched with the youth um, and things of that nature. So we do a lot of preparation in that. And then we also monitor the relationships throughout the year with their, we'll have them turn in bit different um, volunteer tracking hours so that we know what they're doing in our program um, and then what activities they're engaged in. And we also offer support throughout the year through our various uh, continuing education programs too, where they can come and meet one another as mentors and learn from one another. Learn, uh, For instance, we've had trainings about developing good boundaries um, and good habits out of that. And so we're there to support them along the way as their program coordinator if they help have questions, but also um, help them support one another too. And I guess I have a question for all of you. It's such a delicate balance when uh, you're speaking with young adults. They all, everyone makes mistakes, right? And uh, everyone is forming their opinions about different things. How do you balance it, the discussions so that uh, you're always uh, looking for positive reinforcement and constructive criticism? All of those, you know, are positive things to have in conversations. How do you balance that so that the children don't get offended and kind of get turned off by the program? Um, Sarah, I'll start with you. Um, we really emphasize that your role as a mentor is as a friend, right? Um, and so, you know, if you think about the people in your life who you consider good friends, um, they're people who give you good advice when you need it, who are honest with you when um, <laughs> they see you struggling or you've done something that's disappointed them, um, but they're not the ones who are, you know, but in a friendship, you don't necessarily have one person who is um, the authority and the other person who is just receiving, you know, their information that we, we really stress that mentors are not parents and they're not teachers in the sense that like a teacher is in control of their classroom. A teacher has certain goals and objectives that they need to accomplish and ensure that you learn by the end of the year, right? Of course, you know, our mentors are great role models and they will teach their mentees things, but they are really approaching it um, as you would uh, a really healthy friendship. 
right? And so you have those conversations and and sure, maybe like you challenge different ways of thinking, um, but we really stress that there's not like a, a right way to be or a wrong way to be, right? We're really learning from each other. We're really listening to each other and growing through that relationship. And, and I think that's that's one of the things that people enjoy the most about mentoring is not only do you get to engage in, you know, fun things and explore the community and for adults, you get a chance to, you know, be a kid again, um, but both people really do grow um, and are nourished by that relationship and learn things from each other. It's wonderful. Um, Gloria, can I ask you a little bit about children's or young adults' feelings? You know, oftentimes we know that in adolescence, it's very difficult for young adults to put their thoughts into feelings, but particularly with young adults who are, might be going through a struggle in their family life, uh, it's really important, right, to get those feelings out and know that, uh, that someone's there to listen and help them through the, the, the challenging process of remaining peaceful and happy and positive in their life. Can you talk to a little bit about how the uh, volunteers, you know, approach that topic of of helping young adults feel safe to talk about their feelings. Yeah, it's it's all about you know creating a safe space. Um, at the beginning of the year, it's the most important period where we get to know one another and and really take time in that because that is um, that is one of the foundational aspects of of creating a safe space, right? We want to promote their social social emotional growth. Um, through honest discussions. And so you can't have those honest discussions until you know one another. Um, and so a lot of it is, is, is at the, a lot of the, the chunk of the work is at the beginning where we are playing a lot of games and breaking the ice in that way. Um, like you said, it's not easy to get youth to speak, uh, you know, speak about serious things like grief and loss, um, but, but they do come up when they, once they feel comfortable. Um, you know, in in the program, in their group. Um, and so uh, I found that at least last year, um, we were able to implement a, a community, or, uh, an artist corner, which is a group dedicated to arts and crafts and, and exploring social emotional topics in that manner. And so that was uh, a hit and we had a lot of participation in that. Um, and by the end of the year, uh, I feel that a lot of the discussions that we were having were, in a way, um, I don't want to categorize them, but a lot deeper than than the other cohorts that we had at the at the same time going on at the same time. Um, and so I would say that's that's something that I find in my in my program at least is that um, it's a lot easy to a lot easier to get students to um, you know think about these these topics and have these discussions through art, especially. Sounds like a wonderful, affirming, safe environment like you talked about uh, to build those friendships. Um, Aranda, in the brief time we have left, could you share a little bit about any feedback that you get from adult volunteers who share their time uh, with these adolescents? Yeah, most certainly. Um, we have a lot of adult volunteers who really say that they enjoy um, spending time with the youth. I know they come in just wanting to make an impact and a difference using the spare time that they have. And so we've had some very successful mentors in the program who have been able to use their resources. Maybe they know someone and they um, have, that has a boat, and so they're able to go on a nice little boat ride. Um, and the kids love it because obviously some of these things are new experiences for them. Um, and even being able to just get to know another youth and being open to learning the things that they know and having another little person to support, it just, it goes a long way for them and they are so rewarded at the end, so. Well, we said at the top of the show that you're, you know, connecting youth with great, great role models, and the three of you certainly are doing that. What a phenomenal program. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today to share this, and we hope that you'll please keep us posted on developments um, as the school year progresses. You're doing great things in Cook and Lake County. Thank you so much for being thank on the show today. Katie, we do have that number if there's a second. Please do. Please go right ahead. Number. So um, if you want to refer a youth to the program, uh, the easiest thing to do is call 847-782-4224. That is our referral line. You can also email us at ympreferrals at catholiccharities.net.
Wonderful. And uh, more information about our youth uh, mentorship program is also on our website, catholiccharities.net. So again, thank you so much, ladies, for being with us today. And we invite you all back again next week for another edition of The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and on behalf of everyone at Catholic Charities, we hope you have a great week. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Thank you. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.